In this episode, I'll be talking to a special guest, uh, Sharon Madera. She is a certified horse behavioral consultant and runs Equilightenment, where she focuses on equine problem solving and behavior modification using positive reinforcement techniques. She also runs Silver Moon Iberians, uh, which breeds Iberian horses, and she is the breeder of my newest horse, a beautiful Iberian filly. Uh, members of my video classroom will recognize Sharon from videos that we've done uh, in there together. And if you'd like to look up the videos that she has in there, just go, once you're logged in, go to guest speaker and look, look up, look for Sharon. In this episode, we're going to talk about her breeding and training program for foals and young horses and tell some stories about my new filly. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Episode 38. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony, because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Thank you, Sharon, for joining me on the pod. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> it's always fun to talk to you. So it's a good excuse to stop you. Come over and have a chat. Uh, so, so I just bought a filly. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not looking for a horse. Uh, but you showed her to me and, you know, she's of course very lovely Thank and you. was, you know, there, there were not many reasons why not to get her cause she's so lovely, but I was not looking. And once that idea kind of popped into my head and I started entertaining the idea, I realized that one of the main factors besides that she's just gorgeous was the upbringing that she's mm. getting by being at your place. And I've known what you do with your breeding program and training program, and I've sort of observed it from afar and heard you talk about it. But this was the first time that, you know, it would be my horse. And, and you know, that kind of made it really real. Cool. And I realized just, you know, how important that is. You know, I've trained so many horses that have come from so many different backgrounds, and it just, it was so lovely to think of the, what you call drama free. Hopefully no baggage. Yeah. yeah. No baggage. baggage free. <laughs> right. 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 And, um, so maybe we can just, you can share a little bit about your philosophy sure. and what you do at Silver Moon Iberians and. Yes, absolutely. Um, again, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about all this stuff. So with, um, with Silver Moon, so I've got a couple different things going on. One is the breeding program itself, and my current passion right now is Iberian horses, so the Spanish Andalusian and the Lusitano. And to me, I've, I want to start with a horse. My, my kind of tagline for my breeding program is balanced in body and mind. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for certain things in the horse's body to make his work as a, a riding horse for um get the goal of higher collection to make that easier for the horse, but then also a mind and a temperament that is going to be suitable and, and malleable and cooperative. So starting with that as the, as the, the breeding program goal, then we overlay that with what are the, the principles and the, the, the program I have for what I'm calling early education for the foal and kind of thinking of foal to foundation. So if they stay with me that long, we're going everywhere from the day of birth all the way up to preparation and groundwork and the foundation that's laid so for them to become a, a successful riding horse. And in many ways, you have to actually back up and say it even starts before the foal hits the ground because if we have a great relationship with the mare, Mm -hmm. where she trusts the people and she's happy to see humans. The, uh, the, that social facilitation learning 
that the baby's going to get because, hey, mama sees people and walks on up to them and says, hey, take me into the barn. This will, you know, good <laughs> stuff happens. Yeah. Um, so we want to make sure that the mayor is, believes people are good. And, and, uh, and that's very important. There's also some interesting research on the effects of um, stress, stress hormones uh, on uh, embryos and fetuses uh, oh, interesting. Fetuses or fetuses? <laughs> I don't know the answer <laughs> know. to that. Um, when uh, when the mother encounters mm-hmm. high levels of stress while the the baby is in utero, those stress hormones actually can influence the uh, the offspring. And there's some wow. really fascinating research on that. So I try to keep that in mind as well during the pregnancy of the mare to say, are we helping to help her? have as stress-free a life as possible so we don't have some inadvertent influence on, cool. the, on the baby. So then, <laughs> baby is born. Um, I try to base what we do on uh, behavioral science, really looking at understanding learning theory, understanding how horses learn, understanding the principles of, uh, of learning and behavior modification, and also the ethology of the horse. What is important to the horse as a species? What does it want? What makes it yeah. feel safe? And I know that there, you know, a number of years ago, there was a, uh, this thing, a, a program or this idea about the foal imprinting with the right. idea of a pretty invasive, you know, right at birth, this sort of thing. And I, that has been demonstrated to not necessarily be helpful and yeah. actually potentially there are some detrimental uh, side effects as, as, as a possibility. So that is not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, when the baby is born, we're, we're doing whatever we need to do to assist if needed, but really focusing on letting mom and baby bond that special time together. And again, if mom trusts us, then we can be there very early on. And baby is uh, becoming acclimated to humans in a, in a fear-free mm-hmm. um, situation. Yeah, it's so nice. And you know, when you're talking about minimizing stress um, in a way that the horse feels safe. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think sometimes people have interesting ideas about what horses need to be, how do we mm. keep our horses safe? And what I love about your place, well, number one, it's, it's small, it's big enough that there's space and it's small enough that it seems like you really can give each individual, you know, the focus yes. that they need, which yes. I, I love even all the way through to matching it with its new human, <laughs> right. right? But, um, you know, so they're out in a herd and they get to be on grass and they also can handle being in the stall and be, so it's, it's really making sure that it's, you know, sometimes we, people think I want to keep my horse safe, so I'm going to lock it up mm. and keep it protected from anything that might happen. And, but that's actually not necessarily a healthy situation right. for a horse. Right. You know, I've got one of my uh, colleagues and friends, uh, Lauren Fraser up in Canada, she um, she's also with the certified with the IABC, the International uh, Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. She years ago came up with this little phrase that I love, friends, forage, freedom, the three F's. And when we think about that, what a horse needs to feel happy and safe and content, it's those things. And in my personal experience, um, honestly, of those three, the most important is the friends. And so, for instance, when we've got a mare in, in we've got full watch going on, um, if, we've, if we've brought a maiden mare into the barn, uh, we're going to make sure that her friend, her buddy, is in the stall right next to her and the grills are open so they can see and smell and touch each other. And that way, she's not stressed from the separation from her herd mates. Yeah. And that way, but if we needed to have cameras on and everything else, and honestly, sometimes yeah. they just fall out in the field. And yeah. that's actually, if everything goes well, that's the best. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so cool to think about what each horse needs, you know, what they need as a horse, and then what that individual needs. Like, which buddy do they need to have right, near them? Right. And I, I, I find there's such a power in what they learn from each other. 
you know, yes. and some of the, the best lessons that have been taught horses that I've trained have been taught by the herd. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I felt the difference in training. And, and, you know, I love when I go visit uh, Cora, you know, she's out there with a, a little tiny pony <laughs> and then those great big, you know, Dutch horse and everything in between all right, sizes, shapes right. and ages. And I just love that they get that experience to, yes. you know, try out some behaviors and let the Yes. Let the herd do a lot of the training. You know, it's interesting in in the dog field when um, you know when as behaviorists encounter problem dogs that have issues often of aggression or they don't have bite inhibition or things. One of the first questions asked is, you know, what do you know of the history of this dog mm -hmm. as a puppy, and was it a singleton? Was it an orphan, or did it was it the only puppy in the litter? Oh wow! And they're often many lifelong behavioral problems that are associated, is it correlation, is it causation, is it a combination of the two, with puppies that don't have the benefit of littermates to learn about the interactions and, and appropriate behavior and responses and things like this. And I have not been able to find research on, um, I have not been able to find research on this. However, I myself have dealt with a number of, of equine behavior cases, people that have, have come to me for you know private consultation services, mm -hmm. and several of them where the horses were really, how shall I say, they, they were dangerous in their behavior because they seemed to have no sense of spatial boundaries, mm -hmm. they seemed to escalate quickly, they, their, their attempts at interactions were, were often dangerous to the humans even if they didn't seem to be intentionally aggressive. Right. And in a few of these cases, I've been able to track down that it was either an orphan foal or it was a foal who was raised only with its mother and had no other herd mates, no other playmates. Interesting. So herd mates could be the aunts and, you know, aunties and uncles mm -hmm. or whatever, older horses. Um, but if the only if the only other horse that it dealt with for the first year or two of life was its mother, it seems that that may, again, this is sort of anecdotal because yeah. I don't have research to back it up, but it, it, um, it could follow along with what we see with, with, uh, with the problem with puppies that way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I, it would be interesting to see some research on that because yeah. I think it's, in, in my, you know, also my anecdotal stories, it's, it, it seems to have a big Could effect. follow. So it's interesting. I, I have actually a mare that's going to be coming to me in um, uh, this year who is due to foal at the end of September. And I don't have any foals on the ground right now. And, I, mm -hmm. and I'm actually in the process of trying to find either to borrow or even buy another mare with a foal coming due about that time because I have concern about mm -hmm. whether a foal on its own without another full playmate, whether that right. could be problematic. So right. again, Someone on its level. Yeah. 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 Again, don't know, wish I had the research, but tending yeah. to try to be safe it, yeah. just in case I don't. And then, yeah. it, you know, I find then there's, you know, a lot of sport horses or riding horses, you know, they get to a certain age and then all of a sudden kind of no matter what shoes go on mm -hmm. and now they have to be separated. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's these, the, the, um, the connection between, shoes and then socialization and it's a bit wow. it should be a big decision you of, know i hadn't thought about it that yeah. way you are you are right about that the 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 putting the iron weapons on the end of the hooves is yeah. what it's like oh now they can't be turned out with another horse change. yeah wow. and um and i've seen this with with other horses i've worked with where we end up going barefoot and then for lots of reasons and then when they're barefoot, it's like, oh, now they can be turned out. And then this, and then there's so many other things that just... Everything you know, gets the, happier, doesn't it? Everything gets happier. Again, friends forge freedom. Yep. In my experience, friends is the highest, highest priority. Yeah. yeah. And the one horse I have here that is a management problem is the newest horse I've gotten who came from the sport world. He's barefoot now, but he gets along with some of the horses and one of them just not at mm. all and he's the only horse here that's a problem you know wow. yeah. so and then he came from a very sheltered yeah. life where he just lived in the stall and then went yeah. to the arena so and off, often separated too at that like at two years of age yeah. which is another thing unfortunately we don't have great research on is what are those developmental stages 
um, you know, both in the brain and behaviorally. We, we have a lot of research on dogs and cats, right. but not so much on horses. You know, that whole um, from birth to the, that point of sexual and behavioral maturity, which is sexual maturity is much earlier than behavioral maturity. <laughs> So, hey, every species, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. And you know, it's also interesting. I had a, um, I had a couple guest horses at my farm uh, the last few days, and that are used to stalls. And had a, they asked for a turnout to go put them out in this little paddock, which has lush grass. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Those each one of those horses turned down this stall. I mean, and this little paddock with lush grass just ran the fence line. Yep. Didn't want to stop and enjoy the grass nope. or enjoy the freedom. Just worried because he's not near his friends that are back in the barn. Yeah. And, you know, that just shows you for a horse how it feels. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, when, when this new horse came in, he was just in a stall or in an arena. And when, you know, I find horses that come from that world, they get scared being out. Yes, alone. And then people say, oh, he needs to be. And so it was really interesting because I'd leave the back door of the stall open. He could have the small paddock and he'd, he'd like go out and then he'd like go back in. And then, you know, he's like, I don't know what to do. And often they'd be out for like 45 minutes and they're like, ah, I got to get back in the stall. Right, right, right. But for me, it's like a little bit of a mental illness, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and then as he, you know, we'd acclimate him, get lost. And then he was like, oh, I can be out in a herd and I'm okay in, I'm okay out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you see the difference of them just like melt away that stress right, of like, oh right. my God, where am I? I need to be somewhere else. So, you know, it's a, thinking about that again, kind of making a, a bit of a parallel to the, the world of dogs and, mm-hmm. and puppies. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people have become educated that if they're going to find a puppy from a responsible breeder, they're going to ask, they will either want to know what has that breeder done for handling and socialization early on up mm-hmm. until, you know, where whatever that weak point is, if it's eight weeks or 10 weeks or whatever, and then the puppy comes home and more and more folks are aware of how important it is to have a very specific socialization and um, exposure plan for that puppy through that golden window up to about five months of age where if they don't get those experiences there's a high risk of fear and 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 they never learn to overcome things yeah again we don't have good research in what happens in the horse world but my hope one of my little hopes is that number one the, the program that we've set up which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in yeah. detail what that, what that trajectory looks like, but that horse owners will begin to f- realize that there could be a lot of benefit and a lot of value to a specific set of protocols that help that foal become acclimated at an early age. For instance, like ours starting at about four months, they learn to spend just a few minutes in a stall by themselves away from their mother, you know, in two side-by-side stalls, and then they're back together again. Mm-hmm. And gradually building up that time and gradually building up the time then across from stalls and further apart and leading separately and all these things so that the idea of being apart and coming back together becomes kind of built into the flow yeah. with the hope that then later on that sense of, separation distress or people call it being herd bound will be minimized don't have research on it yet wish we did but you know (laughs) i I love that gradual weaning process that you do and that's so interesting that you started it so early just in little doses and you know my my filly is i bought her when she's 10 months old now she's 11 I guess almost, uh, she's coming on a See, year. Right? Uh, April, April 18th will be yeah. her birthday, yes. Uh, close to mine. Yeah. Two, uh-oh, <laughs> two Aries. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna butt horns, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just, I love that it's not like throw the, all the babies out together and leave them alone. And then at six months, we rip them all apart. Right. Like there's right. so much interaction in your program. And, you know, in the times that I visited her, it's just super fun. Like she, it really feels like, oh, she's ready, you know, mm-hmm. and instead of, she is, it, instead of doing it, you know, just, okay, here's the date on the calendar. Right. And it's just fun to see 
you know, the mom's a little more worried than the, than the filly, but um, right. I, I love that gradual weaning process because I do, I'm not a breeder, but it just seems like unduly st stressful for horses, right. unnecessarily right. stressful. And you know, the, the truth is, I'm sure a lot of horses really are just fine with it, mm -hmm. right? You know, I, I think of things as kind of like a bell curve, like you've right. probably got 80% of the animals or a given population are kind of like in the middle here. And then you've got these outliers on either end. And the thing that's difficult is the resiliency of any given animal, we may not be able to predict. And so while 80% of the animals may be able to handle this really artificially stressful situation, you may have those that go on one side where they get just depressed and withdrawn and others that just get over emotional and or aggressive. But if we can't predict which animals will be on what point in the bell curve, right. for me, that's all the more reason to attempt to reduce the distress. Life is stressful. There will be stressors. Yeah. But we can build in resiliency to that in the way in which we approach it. If we don't overface the right. animal too soon. And you can do it on an individual basis. Like, okay, yes. this one, you're, you're kind of sticking your toes in the water and seeing how it's going right. and feeling it out. Like, for instance, with the other filly and mare we have right now, Crescente, your, your filly's mom, yeah, she's, she's, she's fine. She's done. She's like, yeah, yeah go off. Do whatever you want, Cora. <laughs> Mystique, whose filly is just, just a couple weeks um, younger, really mm -hmm. not much different. Mystique is much more worried when her filly is further away. Her filly doesn't care, yeah. but the mother is. And so I'm also trying to, to balance out not overstressing the mom and not just looking at her as, okay, you're just a baby factory. I don't care right. how you feel. No, I do care. I do care how you feel. Yeah. So, no, that's yeah. beautiful. And I love all the, the handling. You know, I've, I've, I've never bought a horse this young before, and it's just so cool to come in. She stands, she ties, she backs up from just slight pressure. She picks her feet up. I've seen her go on and off the trailer. In fact, I've seen a video of her refusing to leave the trailer. <laughs> right. Put me back on the trailer. Like She's actually quite a character. I think she loves she having things done with You're her. You're gonna have so much fun with oh her. My I can't goodness. wait to see your, all your adventures. She is such a character. <laughs> And she yeah. just seems to really love the attention, and she has lots of opinions and ideas. Yeah. But I like yeah. that. Um, but let, yeah, let me let me kind of go through a little bit if I sure, can. I like love. what you know, like from okay, the time they're born. So um, you know, as I said, we're going to be there. We're going to be present. It's going to be good. So one thing that's really cool in the first couple of days is all foals love scratching. They just love it. And um, from a behavioral science point of view. I use a lot of positive reinforcement, which I'm going to define that as this is specifically looking at adding something, giving something to the animal to, to increase a specific behavior. It's not just saying, oh, good pony or right, whatever. Right. It's, it's, you know, um, and I also do combine that with uh, the scientific term is negative reinforcement, which we know is uh, most people in the horse world know is pressure and release. Mm -hmm. So I'm combining these two things because um, the positive reinforcement really helps with the whole pleasure center of the brain and the and the, the happy associations. And there's something good in it for me. And to me, the negative reinforcement, the learning to yield to pressure, is very important for the safety of the horse yep. and also a language that, in my opinion, a horse needs to know for the rest of its life, especially if it's going to be a riding horse. So the first thing we do with the babies is they learn that just the approach of a human is great because we're going to scratch them. And they love, like, in, it's funny to watch how it evolves a little bit as the weeks go by, the, the, the places that they like to be scratched shifts a little bit. <laughs> so the crest of the neck uh -huh. and, the, and the, the line of the shoulder and the chest and then the, the rump. Those are the places that are just... So you start out as grandma coming with a, yeah. the plate of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, have some cookies. Yeah, Jennifer Zellig says, right. like, come bearing gifts. Right. First thing. And very quickly, they, they decide they want to approach us. And I look for that as being the first sign that, yep, yeah, they've now recognized that humans are the bearer of great things, fingernails nice. to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and because they do want to approach us, the very first official lesson that I teach them is to back up and to move away from my space. And I do that with 
a combination of, I use a marker signal. For me, it's a tongue pop. People that are familiar with dog training will often use a clicker or something like that. You, it can be anything yeah. you want it to be. But I associate it with scratch, scratch, scratch. Scratch, scratch, yeah. scratch. And this way, they, they make that association. Then I will simply place my hand on their chest and their tiny little things, so it's very easy, and just put a little pressure. And the moment they just lean their weight back, I do two things simultaneously. I make my tongue pop and I remove the pressure of my hand and I immediately scratch. And this is what I love because there's so many camps out there that it's like positive reinforcement's the only way. And, you know, negative reinforcement is bad. And, you know, this is, reality is we are flowing between these. And this is something that I, you know, I use a lot of both. Mm -hmm. And I love the, you know, being able to do just positive in some circumstances and doing the negative reinforcement and add the positive on Mm -hmm. top of it. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes people get too bogged down and they're like, I do it this way, I do it this way. And the way you do it is really, I think, the most powerful and it's very reality based. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. And you know, it's interesting when you say reality based, I've thought about this too. I, I think about what is my ultimate end goal? What do I want this horse to understand, to know, to do, to be? Right. And I want every single thing I do from the time they're a baby. I'm imagining that I will keep this horse for life. So what do I want he or she to learn, to understand, and to respond to, so that ultimately this can be a lovely riding partner. And so I don't want to build things in that are going, I'm going to have to undo or change. Right. And I don't want to leave things out and gaps that I'm going to need. So, um, yeah, so that first lesson is that, that backup. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I, I enjoy doing when people come to the farm when the babies are, you know, a month or two old is like, I do, I do say I, I have fun showing off a little bit. We'll just, <laughs> You're go, we'll just go right out into the field. And this is by the time they're maybe three months old, what I can show people is I can just stand next to them, lean down and just say foot and just kind of point and they just lift their foot for us. Love front that. feet, back feet. But the way that starts is, again, it's kind of understanding the shaping of a behavior and understanding, um, you know, kind of all the little sciencey theory things that go behind that, but also real life application with a given species. So we know that if a, if a horse feels a fly on its leg, it's likely to lift its leg and stamp and just to get rid of the fly. Sure. So I will simply reach down and with my fingertip touch between the knee and the, and the fetlock, and just that lightest fingertip touch, I know they're gonna shift their weight onto the other leg to lift this one up to get rid of the fly. And that's what I mark, just that weight shift to begin with. And at this, I remove the sensation of the fly at the same time and give them the scritchies. That so quickly, <laughs> that so quickly, just a few little repetitions, I can now say foot, reach down and touch, and they lift the leg, and we mark and reinforce with the scratching, and then that just gradually builds. The, the only limitation, to be honest, if that, with that, is that these gangly foals have a hard time keeping their balance. Yeah. <laughs> so we can actually get the hind leg faster than we can get the front leg, yeah. um, but very quickly. I mean, that, that's how we shape and progress it and then hold it and everything else. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. It, start, you know, it starts with all the good feelings, they understand, they're cooperating, you know, and then you can build out the duration and, you know, instead of just sort of wrangling them for their first trimming, it's like all these beautiful first moments, right? The first time someone tries to hold their foot and why wait until you actually have to trim it, you know, and then it's like you're trying to get something done. And so I love that you have a, it's a small enough operation that you can really give that personal attention to each one. And you're so aware of the the first moments and and from your you know your background you're really good at probably better than I am about making a plan and it's you know it's like here's our plan here's the steps here's the schedule I, I go a little more by feel <laughs> so I'm really grateful that my horse I do like my, spreadsheets I my, yeah confess. I'm not a spreadsheet person but I'm so happy that my new filly is a spreadsheet filly you know 
right. And that's why, you know, my first few times visiting her, I just really stood back and I was like, Sharon, I want to see what you're doing with her because mm. for me, taking her on, I need to meet her where she is and right. be able to know what she knows from you. And then I can, like the other day, I had my first solo play with her. I'm like, okay, I know what you know, and now we're going to just be together and right. we'll figure out so you know what I need you to know. Yeah. And um, But I think just the honoring the horses, that individual's actual experience, and it's not horse number 72, you know, the bay one. Right. It's Cora, oh, you know, yeah, it's, and I really yeah. feel that from you. It's like each horse is, is a really special individual that you, you know, right. I can see you kind of orchestrating, all right, like, I got to put that horse there, but she's not going to like that. And I know it can probably be a little bit, you know, <laughs> probably be easier to just like, ah, throw them all out and then bring them all in. But um, I really appreciate that you think like that. Well, that makes me feel happy that you see value in it. <laughs> and, you know, again, my my hope is to, play a little part of maybe influencing the way other breeders and people think about what you know how, what they're what they're doing and value what they're acquiring and I, and I think also that many people rule out the idea of a young horse because they just imagine okay well if it's just only 2 years old it's a fire breathing dragon mm-hmm. you know by the time ours are 2 years old I mean, they're like... They've worn a pink flamingo. They've worn a pink they've, flamingo and a, and a bareback pad. And they've seen and, the eight-foot breathing dragon <laughs> exactly. thing that you have. You know, all kinds yeah. of things where, you know, by the time you put a little weight on their back, they're just like, okay, this is just one more thing. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and a, a student, it's not my student, but as someone I know who studies my stuff, is, among other things... Um, recently bought one of your young horses, Melanie, in oh, Texas. Oh, right, right. And you know, and Melanie, she's a very capable rider, but a little, a little bit um, unconfident. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, what is she doing buying a three-year-old? Like this <laughs> does not look good on paper. And I, I had the pleasure of teaching her in a clinic in Texas, and she had this horse. And I was like, this is so beautiful. It's so perfect. Like I know you put a lot of care into. That was Sombra. Making sure. And I know you've said, you know, you don't want to sell the horse to the wrong person. I have turned, I have actually turned down sales because I'm like, this is not going to be the right fit. Yeah. And I'm very much a, you know, forever, forever person. Like when a horse comes to me, like (laughs) they're not leaving. And uh, I'm sure it's some sort of emotional problem I have, but you know. (laughs) But they become family, you know, right? It is. They're, it's, they're not a horse. It's, the, it's them. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're special beings in horse suits. Um, and, I, and I think so many problems are originated in, well, the way they're raised, but then also just selling a horse because that's your business model. And so you got to sell the horse and to sell the wrong horse to the wrong person right. is... You know, I've seen this happen so many times and to not have that integrity because, you know, it's a responsibility. I feel as soon as we're with a horse, we are responsible for their life. And as much as we can do, you know, and if you're going to be selling a horse, like, wow, what a responsibility. So I, I, you know, there's always no guarantees in life, but I, I love the care that you put into that. And I love that you you will, I always thought the, the, um, matching of a horse and human should be backwards it shouldn't be people going around trying to find the right horse it should be a horse going here's the type of human i need would you like to interview i love that you know and switch it around (laughs) somehow and you know it's like dating for yeah (laughs) you know horse and humans but i think it should be you should have to interview as a human to see if you're the right one Right. To be allowed to buy this horse. And since the horse can't screen on its right. behalf, that's, you know, that's the role I, I yeah. have, I take on. I'm so glad I passed the test. <laughs> with flying colors, <laughs> with flying colors. <laughs> yeah. She's like, buy this horse, buy this horse. Like, no, I'm not looking for a horse right now. <laughs> nope. And I was, I was really busy at the time. So I'm like, nope, I just... Because if I decide to buy a horse, then I'm going to have to go horse shopping right. and rule out all the other things. And I was like, nope. And so you sold her. 
Right. Well, we you were really busy. You were. I busy was just like I your, can't even think your, about this. Um, you were very busy with your uh, uh, seminar thing coming mm-hmm. up. Your your event. And um, you had come to see her, and you were really intrigued, as I thought you would be. I was like, be. she's beautiful. And I know, and I'm looking, going, she's tall, she's <sighs> gorgeous, she moves, she's got this personality. And I'm thinking, Karen, I just get like, Karen, I think this is your horse, but not, no pressure, whatever. And then, so you had to go, I, I was like, think I just can't it. think of it. And yeah. it's like, okay, the universe will just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually had someone else come up who just happened to be in the area. Was not shopping for a horse. He was supposed to just be videoing. He was just going to help. He was just visiting and he was just going to video. And he got back on the highway 10 minutes after he left and he said, I can't stop thinking about her. I want to buy her. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I thought the universe wanted her to go to Karen, but I guess. Yeah. And then you told me and I'm like, well, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And it's really funny because I don't believe anything is meant or not meant to be. (laughs) I really don't believe that, but I'll use it as an excuse. (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) So I'm like, well, it's okay. And then I was, then I found myself going, huh, you know, maybe I should think about getting a young horse. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, she was really nice. She's right there. What do you think? Well, but don't even think about that. But maybe I'll start entertaining the idea. And then I get an email. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's so funny because he was like, because I told him, I said, I actually did say, hey, you know, Karen was, Karen's really interested in this horse. And I want to get, vi- anyway. Yeah. And so I get this, however many days later it was. It wasn't said, very you know, many. Yeah, it wasn't. He said, you Couple know, I've been thinking if, if, if Karen really is interested, let her know that I would do that. And yeah. And so then, yeah. <laughs> At a higher price than I... <laughs> So I, I, I say you snooze, you lose. I paid the you... I paid the procrastination tax, but she was still well worth it. Oh still my well gosh! Worth it. But yeah, so I go back again, and then I'm like, well, let me just look at her one more time, and really seriously. And so we, it was so fun. We took her. You had the mare, and we're out on the gator, and um, and let her just run around the property. Yeah. Yep. She's just like, oh my god. You know, I'm seeing her in slow motion and real time. You know, I'm like, oh, she's really nice. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I remember at one point she she got herself into these bushes, and she kind of oh, got a right. little. And she, I was like, oh no, she's wrapped up in vines, right? And so um, she starts to twirl, and then like, oh no, oh no. And then uh, and then she just stopped, and she looked around, and then she like reared up and did a quarter turn, landed, and then went, well, that took care of that, and walked out. <laughs> And then I remember she starts like really booking around and all the other horses are getting wound up. And, and so Sharon's like, well, maybe we should get her. So you're there with a the mare. I walk about 30 feet away and I just stand there and she comes galloping up to me. Of course, I'm seeing this in slow motion. <laughs> you know, she's galloping right up to me and stands there and I just go, clip. And then we walk back to the barn. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, she's really nice. <laughs> so. And you know what? In case people uh, are wondering what that was all about. So my farm, we have 40 acres, and we have certain amounts that are pasture, and then we have some other areas that are kind of like natural with a little bit of wooded stuff and open. But the whole thing is fully fenced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not, we're not like loose on this. That's like my place here. I have my right. pastures, and then the main area is right. still horse right. safe. And so we have our, our gator, not an alligator. Not an alligator. For those wondering about Florida, <laughs> um, but, but a little farm utility vehicle, and we will lead the mares we'll have them with halters and lead ropes and we'll drive it along and let the mares trot and then let the foals run loose and go explore and you know it's safe we don't have any place the mental stimulation go go jump over things and and run up to things and run back to mom and then run off and and so they're, they'll already have their trail experiences before they're even under saddle and then the first i think after purchasing her and the first time I brought I brought Dane I'm like let's go see my baby he's like okay I'm like just nod and smile um actually you gave him quite a show because he got to see a live breeding that was Dana's first time seeing that that's how they're made <laughs> but anyway, so we bring her to we have one pasture that fills up with water when it rains so there's right. a little pond and it's the mom and the baby and then Sharon's like I'm getting the waders I'm like what <laughs> so she puts me in waders up to my thighs I think I wore it well yes you did and so I go, I'm out in the middle of the pond with my treat pouch and my tongue click. And Sharon's just like, get her, see if you can get her in the water. And she did not know me, really, yeah. except for that one thing. And 
I was able to just through the positive reinforcement and the marker he had already built up with her, the bridge, um, to get her to get her front feet in the like squishy, noisy, the scary part. squishy mud that they're not sure they really like. Right, and the mom is like over there, so she left her mom to come to the weird lady with the waders on in the pond and get her front feet in. And then you were watching and um, and I'm letting you guide me, right? So with the timing, because yeah, I'm experienced, but I'm teachable. <laughs> so, so then you're like, okay, now's a good time to bring the mom in. So I went and got the mom who loves the water. And in like 30 seconds, the, the filly's in there, and now we're splashing around and <laughs> trying not to get run over. And, uh, and then I let go, we take the halter off the mom. The mom ends up leaving, and it's me and the filly in the pond together, her first time in the pond. Yeah. And I was like, what is it with babies in the bathtub pictures, right? <laughs> like, I have my baby in the bathtub picture. Wait a second. I'm going to have to get a giant rubber ducky inflatable from now on. <laughs> I got the flamingo. Now I need the there rubber ducky. There you go. You can, like, so, but it was just, it was so cool to, like, that's how personable in their view towards humans in general you know right, it's just like right. oh hey you're a human you're cool you're weird like Sharon she's in the pond and then the funny thing was we were all done and we we're leading her back to her beautiful pasture with all her herd mates and she's like no I'm not done playing yet yeah <laughs> she had yeah. a little, little fussy <laughs> thing which I thought was cute but you know it actually brings something up so there are I, I do there are things for which I will use exclusively positive reinforcement mm-hmm things for which I combine the positive reinforcement, adding something good, the negative reinforcement, removing something mildly annoying or aversive. And then there's other times that it is kind of exclusively the just pressure and release of negative reinforcement. But that thing for me with the babies, the approaching something scary, Mm. I reserve exclusive positive reinforcement for that. So how many of us have been at a showgrounds competition or other places and you're somewhere where the, where your horse sees some monster and it's like, Oh my God. And now how are you going to get from here to there when you have to? Right. Right. So we are getting more aggressive with our aids and the horse is more afraid. And basically your option is you have to make the horse a little bit more afraid of you than it is of that thing. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. So, what my approach has been is I, there are a few different behaviors for which I and, and cues that I only use positive reinforcement for. And I'm not sure, I don't remember if we actually use the cue targeting for her for mm-hmm. this, but one is to, to reach forward and to touch a target. Yep. So if they are either going to reach forward and touch something that, first of all, is not scary, but we can eventually rep- you know, teach them to do that right. towards scary things, or if it's stepping forward towards something scary, I am only going to do the positive reinforcement. I might have a little bit of a feel on the halter, just like a slight encouragement, but I'm not going to force. You're not not going to fight. And it lets them go at their own pace. And in my experience, that builds tremendous confidence and trust because I won't have her move forward into, for instance, quicksand, where she's going to get stuck and terrified. It's squishy. It feels weird. But I know that once she gets used to that, she's going to have fun. And so using things like that, the positive reinforcement for the scary stuff, really helps them trust you later when you ask them to do something else. I think that's super. And and the new horse that I have in, who is a very challenging, interesting horse for me, this is what I'm finding is work in his rehabilitation. I'm, mm. I'm consciously doing this because he's a horse who has been pushed over a threshold. Mm-hmm. He's a mm-hmm. good boy. He'll let you push him places he's scared of. But his problem was he was bucking people off. Right. Dangerous Too explosive. Him. Too much for him. So the risk in making something, some, making them go somewhere they're not choosing to go is that they create a coping mechanism going to learn helplessness or they just, right. you know, and it's like, I'm okay for him. He they goes hold it, they hold it. It's like trigger stacking. They hold it, they exactly. hold it, they hold it till they can't and they explode. Exactly. And I think an unbelievably large number of horses can be okay being pushed into things and they're like, oh, okay, I thought that was scary. Now it's not. But a lot of them, I think that's exactly where things started. It's that bell curve again, right? Right. I mean, some of them can cope. And because some of them can cope, that 
pressure then gets applied yeah. to all of them, and too many can't. Yeah, and I, I worked with um, Jennifer Zelligs, who's a, um, she's a marine animal. She works with all kinds of animals, but right now she's working with sea lions, and she um, does clinics with a um, horse trainer, David Lichman. So I went out to California and watched, cool. a co- <laughs> they did a co-clinic. We did some sea lion training, and then they brought the horses to the beach one day, and I just hung out with Jennifer, and you know, with sea lions, you can't, put a rope on a sea line, right? <laughs> so it's all positive reinforcement, uh, mostly. And uh, she'd watch people bringing their horses down to the water, and some of them were scared. And she'd watch them just, you know, and she's just like, oh, God, they're, oh, oh, geez, they're over threshold. <laughs> like, don't stop there. And then, she, and then, like, a few minutes later, most of them were in the water. And she's like, I can't believe horses let people do that. Boy, isn't that the truth? You know, but there were some, you know, that she had to step in and some that were, you know, that if you do that all the time, then they turn out like the one I had, where he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I am not okay, and then it's dangerous. So I love that distinction. I think that's super helpful. Yeah. All right, so you said... For approaching scary things, mm-hmm. um, you, that's when you want to really use just positive. And you know that you said earlier that you use negative reinforcement um, to help them be safe. Yes, and and us safe. And but. us safe, yeah. And I and I think that's it's so important because sometimes they say negative reinforcement gets a bad rap, probably just because of the unfortunate way it's named. Yeah, the science geek talk gets in the way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, just things like to watch this little baby horse um, be tied and just to stand there and you can see her, you know, she feels the halter and then she comes off of it and she feels right. it and comes off of it. Or, you know, I do a lot of stuff with that around their legs also. You know, mm-hmm. she like the story I told, she's already figured that out. But, you know, that they can handle feeling right. a little restriction on their leg and they learn to relax and, and not fight it. And, you know, I think that there's, you know, and to keep us safe, you know, if they're yeah. leaning into you, that you can, you know, well, ask even that, them like back. Like I said, day three, right. put my hand on your chest, a little bit of pressure, back up. Yeah. Then it becomes, I'll put my hand on your nose, a little right. bit of pressure, back up. And the, the, the combination of simultaneously releasing that pressure and marking and reinforcing, in the beginning it's scratching, later it'll be a little bit of grain. But that comes into move a hip away. If I touch right. you, move a hip. And for me, the reason I want the horse to learn to move away is again, I'm thinking about that long range. What do I want? If this is a horse for the rest of my life, I want to train this horse for riding. My specific discipline, I want to train this horse for higher level collection mm-hmm. and virtually invisible aids and yeah. yielding to the lightest, responding to the lightest touch. So from a baby learning, one thing I do is I generalize um, for movement means move, right? Get something moving. And so yeah. if I'm touching your hip with a little pressure and I say, it means move that away. If I'm touching your shoulder with a little pressure, move that away from me. Later it can become, uh, and I begin this when they're like a year and a half or two years old, if they're still with me, to learn to respond to just the pointing of my hand mm-hmm. or the pointing of a dressage whip towards their hip in the stall and they take a step forward, the whip is is moved down, mark and yeah. reinforce, and they learn because the the movement prompts. So the pressure can be tactile, right? The, on the chest, the shoulder, the hip, whatever. It can be visual movement right. of yep. something. Um, it can be uh, spatial. It can be me stepping towards and mm-hmm. then learning to move away, yield the shoulder, which is a, a later on in groundwork. Um, but it's the com- I, I do the combination of those two, and yeah. then we'll, we'll fade away the the positive reinforcement part because it's a learned behavior that if I point to your hip and go, you learn to move it, right? Um, without fear, without overreaction, but with a prompt response, and yeah. I like that in a horse. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely comes in handy as we go on and and want to yeah educate them for riding and leg pressure and yep. everything yep. yeah. Well, I really appreciate that you're my my baby's mama, grandma, or <laughs> something. Baby mama? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Something like that. I didn't 
We'll edit that one out. Um, <laughs> no, I really appreciate what you do. I think it's, it's, it's um, you know, we have this dream of this beautiful young filly having the best start and then coming here and, you know. <laughs> Which, by the way, she's coming with her emotional support pony. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my so ho- when she my horses are going to freak out. <laughs> so when she trailers over, we're going to bring her little pasture mate, which we can do. Yeah. Because we're so close by. Yeah. We're 20, 30 minutes. Yep. So she will come with a pasture mate for that several day transition yeah. until she's comfortable. Again, we're doing everything we can because we're able to. Yep reduce that stress and make the transition as smooth yeah. as possible and then all the things go wrong i can i'll just be to blame <laughs> you know, no no kidding. no it's all gonna there's, go great you know, and here's the thing is like even with all this there's still gonna be the challenges there's still of gonna course, be the the hard course. you know the hard interesting work of training this individual but i can't wait to get to know her better and her little sassy oh. self uh, yeah yeah, I, I, I am looking forward to seeing all your beautiful adventures together. Yeah, good. Well, sure. thank you. And uh, thank you again thank for you. sharing this with, with right. my people. That's right. And when people decide they need or want a young horse with that kind of foundation, yeah. you can point them my way. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, leave, <laughs> um, I'll leave your links in the show okay. notes. Silver Moon Iberians and yes. then Equalightenment. Equalightenment.com. Both are dot coms. Yes. Yeah, so um, definitely take a look. And uh, you do consulting. You do mm-hmm. have an internship program. And yeah, we take Educational in. yeah. workshops. So anyway, check it out. All right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, <laughs> bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.